0: Your soul set is building a relationship with your inner warrior. You see, a lot of people are living their days by their egos. Mm -hmm. And building soul set at 5 a.m. while the rest of the world is asleep is about letting go of the noisy voice of your ego, which is the voice of your insecurity and wounded self, and rebuilding the relationship with who you truly are, this light, this luminosity, this strength, this indefeatability, this wisdom.
1: I've been fighting with one arm tied behind my back. But what happens when I'm finally set free?
0: What are we doing live? It goes in eternity. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard for make it great.
1: Only love can truly save the world. This is my mission now, forever. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. Today I sat down to speak with Robin Sharma, one of the world's premier speakers on leadership and personal mastery. Robin is a best-selling author on multiple famous books you may have heard of, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, The Leader Who Had No Title, and his latest, The 5AM Club. They have sold over 15 million copies in over 75 countries, and he has been hired by the world's best global corporations, CEOs, billionaires, royalty, the list goes on and on. Today we sat down to talk about his one of his latest books and then some of the frameworks that he has put forth over his body of work over the last 20 years. So we started off by talking about some of the influences that have shaped his core beliefs and his development in the way that he sees and interacts with the world. And we had a great conversation about his father And we started to talk about uh, morning routines as well. So he was going into his framework in the 5 a.m. club, something that he calls the 20-20-20 principle. And we discussed that. We discussed why morning routines are so important and how they assist in our quest for greatness. So we deconstructed, dissected, and designed the perfect morning routine in accordance with this 20-20-20 framework. And then we got into this idea of anti majority behavior and why he thinks it's hard for the majority of people to be comfortable being alone. And this arose from our conversation in that 2020 principle, where p- part of it is reflection and sitting alone. So we had a discussion around being alone, which trickled into his framework on heart set. So he talks a lot about mindset and he talks about heart set along with. Two other, uh, what he calls interior empires. So mindset, heart set, health set, and soul set. But we spent a lot of time, and I was very interested to dissect what he means by heart set. So we spent some time talking about how we go into our sadness, our fear, our anger, our depression, the things that we are running away from, and how we release it. And in his words, you know, we have to feel it to heal it. So we talked about best practices for cultivating heart set. We talked about kindness and why it's a superpower. And then we got into some of the nuances of his book and he was very excited and very proud of the body of work that he's produced. So we ended up speaking about some of the 10, what he calls the 10 tactics of lifelong genius. So we talked about tight bubble of focus and we talked about you know delegating to stay in your genius and you know always staying a student and he was very gracious enough to answer some questions that came from the Better community, and his answers were extraordinary. And we finished off by sharing what one of my secret missions is for even just starting this podcast. I have a not-so-secret mission, I guess, if I'm telling you right in the beginning and in the intro of this podcast that I really want to make Effort Cool again, and he really seemed to resonate with that. So I hope that you enjoy our dialogue, our banter, So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Robin Sharma. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: Stephanie, it's great to meet you.
1: Yeah, great to meet you too. Uh, your teachings, I mean, you are sort of the og you're like the original gangster when we talk about you know actualizing on potential and you know doing the hard work to achieve mastery. before we kind of get into some of your frameworks and your tactics, I'm curious to know you know some of the influences that you've had growing up let's call it like you know between zero and twenty years of age, people who have had a meaningful impact on you. I mean, I've heard you talk about your father, you know, physician who you I think you really loved and admired for his work ethic. But maybe you can speak to some of the people who have helped mold the way that you see and the way that you interact with the world.
0: Well, first of all, thanks for such a nice introduction and if if you're calling me the OG then I think you're saying that I'm, that I'm old. Is that right? Or-
1: <laughs> what I'm saying is that you are one of the first people to be talking uh, about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, again, thanks for having me on the show. So like in terms of influences, you're right. My father, who, who thankfully is still with us, he's 83. He was a family physician for 54 years. Uh, when he retired after being a family doctor for so long, I said, why would you do it for so many years? And he said, because my patients need it. Mm-hmm. so my dad has been just a great example of a community servant, you know, a public servant in many ways. And when I was growing up, he always used to use the quote of Rabindranath Tagore and he'd say, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. He said, son, live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. And Stephanie, I think in, we live in a world that suffers from what I call Ram syndrome. You know, world revolves around me. Mm. I think a lot of people are very self-focused versus remembering we're brothers and sisters on a tiny planet. And so my dad was a great influence on the importance of true leadership, which is just helpfulness. Oh, I had a grade five teacher named Cora Greenaway. And, you know, in school, a lot of people didn't think I amount to very much. I sort of marched to my own drum I The cool crowd wanted to hang with me, but I sort of preferred being alone in my own thoughts, you know, as a lot of creative people do. And when I was in grade five, there was this woman named Cora Greeno with these you know, glasses that were very old school. She was probably the OG. She just, you know, she really believed in me. She just said, I see something in you. Other people might not see it. And she spent that year helping me believe in myself. And one of my core things that I believe is no one will believe in you until you believe in you. And she helped me believe in me. So those would be two primary influences. A few years ago, I went and checked out Cora Greenaway and she she was still alive back then. But I found out she was a resistance fighter against the Nazis and she would go under enemy lines and she would help children who had been orphaned. And so, you know, here was this history teacher who actually had been this revolutionary in many ways. And, you know, it just really inspired me that she believed in me.
1: That's amazing. You know, speaking of OG, like I was first introduced to your work, I guess it was ninety six, ninety seven, the monk who sold his Ferrari. For those of you who've never heard of it, it's a fable of, you know, a lawyer who sold his possessions in pursuit of wisdom, you know, perhaps a thinly veiled account of, of your life. Probably the first time that I heard about a morning routine. Like I would never really heard about it before. And you talk about you also talk about this in your in your book, The Five AM Club, the importance of a morning routine. And I remember, you know, I was still in university at the time, and I would go for my morning runs, and I would adopt, like, there was, you had talked about this chant that the monks would say, like, the sun is starting to rise, the sun is starting to rise. And that would become my, I would say, you know, left, right, left. And it would allow me to, uh, it was like moving meditation for me. So, you know, you've been talking about morning routines for 20 years. So let's talk about, you know, morning routines. Why, in your opinion, are they so important? And how do they help assist us in our quest for greatness?
0: Um great question. I can't believe you read the book 20 years ago. You look like you're 20. You look like you're 20. So I I, my morning routine. You You got into a morning routine when you were two years old. I'm very impressed. (laughs) Um you know, start 'em early is what I say. I think you you know, you're right. You mentioned the 5am club, um, my new book. I spent four Mm -hmm. years writing it. It's currently, I mean, it's just it's at a pace of selling 10 times monk. So it's wow. uh, you know become one of the best selling books in the world right now, and I only mention that because it's a book based on the mentoring I've done with billionaires for these two decades, and companies like Starbucks, Nike, IBM, FedEx, organizations like NASA, YPO, where I've shared in the book. I call it the 20-20-20 formula, and it's a calibrated morning routine. Designed to maximize anyone's creativity, productivity, prosperity, and impact on society, and I think the reason the book is doing so well is because the formula works. And you're right. I I've been you know now morning routine has become this cottage industry. You know, there's journals on it and there's books on it, but. It actually started 30 years ago for me, where I was trying to figure out my own life. I was a litigation lawyer, and I was making great money, and I was successful according to the labeling of the world, and yet, what's the point of having money and being successful and receiving applause when you wake up every morning and you feel misery, emptiness, discouraged, And apathy. And so when I was a young lawyer, I went on this search and I studied the great women and men of the world and I interviewed industry titans and elderly people who were happy. And one of the common things, Stephanie, was the way they began their day. I really have learned that the way you begin your day dramatically sets up the way your day unfolds. And so I started to tinker with a morning routine that is now the basis of the new book, The 5 a.m. Club. And it really did transform my life. And then when I wrote the monk who sold his Ferrari, and I started getting invitations to speak and mentor, you know, some of the most famous industry titans in the world, and elite athletes, and movie stars. One of the first things I worked with them on was getting them to this 202020 formula, and getting into the, the importance of a calibrated morning routine. And I'm happy to talk about a little bit of that routine, but I really do believe, and this might sound dramatic, but The 5am club method that I share in the book, I believe it'll change the world because if you look at a lot of the hate in the world right now, if you look at a lot of the apathy, if you look at a lot of the wars, if you look at a lot of the mediocrity, it all comes because people have given away their primal genius and they don't have energy and they don't have self-faith and they've given up on their Virtuosity. And if we could only take one hour while the rest of the world sleeps and go out in the world with that reconnection to who we truly are, we would transform and everything we do would transform. And you transform the world one person at a time.
1: I love that and I agree with you. I think you know when when we break down when we dissect the 202020 method you're talking about moving, you're talking about reflecting, you're talking about growing and maybe we can, you know, movement is is pretty self-explanatory. You're talking about moving your body which to your point around like the apathy and changing the world and like losing our primal genius very heavy to the motor cortex which is in our frontal lobe. But the reflection is really interesting to me, and I would love to dissect this a little bit because you talk about this idea around sitting with some of our you know, greatest wounds that we have. You talk about some of these four internal empires, one of them being heart set. And you talk about this idea of sitting with your sadness and your grief and your trauma and your feelings of depression or abandonment and working through them. Maybe we can touch a little bit on that, and you can talk about some of your best practice. Well, what is a heart set, and then some of your best practices for cultivating, you know, being able to move through. Because there's no way around it, right? You can't move around some of those feelings. You got the only way is through. And I've heard you say, you know, you got to feel it to heal it. So uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about how important your heart set is.
0: I'd love to. A little bit of context for all your your viewers and listeners. So the Five AM Club is. uh, I spent four years on it. It has a lot of the best information I've been. Teaching for these two decades, working with you know a lot of the superstars, and it's a very disruptive book as well because everyone in so many people in this field of personal development are evangelists of mindset, and yet here's what I believe I believe that your mindset is only your psychology. Mm-hmm. So, we hear you know, positive thinking, develop your mindset, take care of your psychology, and everything is going to be okay. Well, if that was true, then all the people who read personal development books and positive thinking books would be living like heaven on earth. So in the book, I, I say there are actually four interior empires. Mindset is only 25% of the personal mastery equation. Is your psychology important? Absolutely, because your behavior always follows your beliefs. You've got to recode those to get elite performance. Yes. But that's only 25%, Stephanie. It's the second yes. thing is I'm introducing this word heart set, mm-hmm. which is your emotionality. Like, we are human beings. We've been taught not to feel. We've been taught not to build intimacy with our emotions. And yet, symphonies and monuments and great movements and great relationships and great team building doesn't come intellectually only, it comes from the heart. And so, you know, I do want to get into your specific question, which is how do we heal the wounds of the heart? But I just want to give some context. The second interior umpire is this term I've introduced in the 5N club called the heart set. And this piece is so important because. Even entrepreneurs and creatives and titans, a lot of times they're disconnected from their emotions and that's why they might not be winning. Third interior empire in the 5N club is health set. And that's all about your physicality. Mm-hmm. If you you know don't die, how can you change the world if you're dead? So it's all about energy. You know, optimizing your vitality. And I go very deep in it, in the 5M club. And then the fourth interior empire is soul set. Now, some of your listeners might be going, Robin, I was with you until you started talking about soul set. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not a religious person. And what I would say is soul set has nothing to do with religion. Your soul set is building a relationship with your inner warrior. You see, a lot of people are living their days by their egos Mm -hmm. and building soul set at 5 a.m. while the rest of the world is asleep is about letting go of the noisy voice of your ego, which is the voice of your insecurity and wounded self, and rebuilding. The relationship with who you truly are, this light, this luminosity, this strength, this indefeatability, this wisdom. So once you get those four interior empires calibrated from 5 to 6 a.m. In in the book, I call it the victory hour. And if you do it every day, you're going to be this force of nature that goes out in the world and experiences all of the external empires of money, creativity, productivity, impact, lifestyle, and freedom. So that's some context. And if you want me to get into Heartset, if after all that, you still want me to get into Heartset, I'm really happy to do it.
1: Yes, please. Yeah, I think it's important because we've had, you know, we've had uh, Danielle Laporte. On the On the show, and she talks about this in terms of you know her shadow self and you know shining a light on some of those dark crevasses. Uh, Dr. Shafali has talked about this in terms of the inner child, and she actually said something really funny. she said, you know most of us are like wounded six to eight year olds walking around in an adult body and I love your framework around heart sets so and I think it's very important because i don't think I think it's scary for most people to say well i don 't want to go back to that place where I felt scared or abandoned or lost or depressed. So I would love for you to maybe dissect a little bit uh, in terms of what some of those best practices might be and why it's important, why the heart set is important.
0: You know, Stephanie, your life, your income, your impact will never be any, any higher than your pain people are wondering why they don't have income or they're not as creative or they're not as productive. And you're right. They don't want to go into heart set, but that's why they're medicating themselves with white screens or cocaine or money addiction or busy being busy. Right. And so to say, you're right. Society tells us don't feel society tells us heart set and emotions. They're weak. Well, if you have all this suppressed pain, you're first of all, Hmm. Let me put it to you this way. We are born into perfection. And from the moment we are born, we are denied our genius. Here's what I mean. We're born as kids into curiosity, love, true power, creativity. And then mommy says, we're not smart. And then we're four and daddy says, be reasonable. You can't be a billionaire or a Picasso. And in grade seven, a teacher says, Behave like everyone else, and we shut down our creativity. And then, when we're 14, we lose the love of our lives at that stage of the game, and our hearts get broken. And as we experience the resentment, disappointment, micro trauma, macro trauma that is the journey of living a human life, because of the messaging of society, which is do not acknowledge it and feel it, live in your mindset, here's what happens we suppress it and so we have what Carl Jung says this this shadow side I call it in my work and I get really deep into these pieces in the 5am club. And that's why it's, it really is a manifesto for mastery. 5am mm-hmm. club is not just a, you know, a morning routine book. It is a manifesto for anyone who is suffering or anyone who wants to exponentially increase their productivity impact. It's, it shows, it's not only the 5am club method and the 2020, 2020 formula, as you know, through the book, it's the 10 d- rituals of daily genius. And, yes. you know, I've tried to put my ba- best information in it. It's not just a book about hearts that are morning routine, but so we have all this suppressed pain and I call it a field of hurt and it's actually toxic energy within us and we stuff it into our subconscious. Now we think it doesn't come up. Well, it does come up. It comes up in addiction, for example, and that's why so many people are addicted to noise. They're addicted to busyness they're addicted to drama, they're addicted to procrastination, they're addicted to being busy being busy, they're addicted to technology, they're addicted to too much alcohol, they're addicted to to buying too much. It's a flight from themselves because most people are full of this pain. So we don't want to Learn how to feel it and heal it and reown our bigness, so we live out in the world and we come up with these ingenious escapes, so we avoid what is. Th- Does that make sense? One
1: hundred percent. I think it's why I think it's why most people are actually scared of being alone as well.
0: Mm-hmm. In that mm-hmm. reflection
1: period that you talk about, in that in that um, you know victory hour, I think many people are scared of the whispers that that will come up when you don't have the, you know, the Instagram or the Facebook or the, you know, whatever the news, you know, whatever you're using to distract yourself with, I think people are scared of being alone. And what you're, what you're talking about, I think is an overarching theme with, with Heartset, and we're going to get into some of the other aspects of the book, but this was so profound for me. So I wanted to spend some time to have you describe it was what you're essentially talking about is being kind to yourself. And you talk about, you know, owning your primal genius and being able to make these changes in the world. Well, you can't really be kind to other people before you are kind to yourself. And you've talked about this on your podcast, uh, which we'll link out in the show notes, your mastery sessions, Robin Sharma mastery sessions. And you talk about why kindness is a superpower and not a weakness. You know, one of your, one of the episodes is is actually called kindness is not a weakness. Can you explain why kindness wins and what you mean by that?
0: Sure. I'd love to. Before I get into it, what I would say is I think hearts at work is, I you know, I say this with tremendous respect for you, Stephanie. I think it's kindness is one element of it. I mm-hmm. think when I'm getting into hearts at work, I think it's it's really much deeper than just kindness. I'm actually saying at 5 a.m., you know, you've got that 20 minute pocket in the 2020 formula. Yes, work on gratitude, those higher emotions. Yes, work on joy, but also take the time perhaps to write in a journal or pray or meditate or actually feel. Build intimacy with all those suppressed toxic emotions. And so it's it's I believe even more than kindness. It's about doing the emotional work to access the wounding that we've picked up from childhood. Because every one of us, unless you're enlightened, you have we all have these holes. And that's why even the billionaires, if they're not conscious of these holes, they become addicted to more yachts and more money and more more things because they're not aware that they've got these holes that they're trying to fill. So it's more than kindness. It's about doing the very brave, honorable work to fill our holes so we become more powerful if you look a lot a lot of the leaders on the planet they're toxic there's very few pure leaders mandela's mother teresa's mlks and gandhi's Mm -hmm. because we are a culture and society of wounded people spending our days trying to fill our ego pursuits versus owning our true nature which is creativity genius love service Connection to humanity. So that's the heart at work, you know. And I've done it for for over twenty years. I'm no guru. I've done sweat lodges. I've done the journaling. I've done the prayer. I've done the hypnosis. I've done the therapy to try to move through those blocks. And all I can tell you is, my prosperity, creativity, productivity, impact rises the more I own my true nature. On kindness, I'll simply say, we are a tiny planet of brothers and sisters. We should not be. I don't know, I don't want to sound at all like I'm preaching. I just it hurts my heart to see people cutting people off in traffic, being selfish and not remembering how on the last hour of our last day we will not validate the success of our lives by social media likes. I think what will bring grace to our last day is how we treated the people all around us, including strangers on the streets.
1: Yeah and I and I love what you're saying. I think what what you're, you know, if I can uh, sort of summarize what you're talking about is being internally before you can go externally. You have to be able to internally fill up your own cup and be compassionate towards yourself and to be and to say, look, I was hurt and it's okay to hold those feelings and to move through them and to be able to release them. When I say kindness, you know, maybe I'll reframe it and say it's really about Permission to love yourself, to forgive yourself and the people that have, helped. like, you know, we've all done bad things to other people. And people, you know, we've all had an experience of somebody wronging us. But being able to have that through line of forgiveness so that you can go internal and fill up your own cup so that you don't need to be buying the yachts and the, you know, and all you, at the end of the day, all you have is money and lots of social media likes or whatever. That's what I meant by kindness.
0: You're right on that. There's a story in the book I read about, I think it was in the New Yorker or something, and it was Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller, the two great authors, were on a were at a party on Long Island for a billionaire. And Kurt Vonnegut looks at Joseph Heller and says, Joe, how do you feel uh, knowing that the billionaire, our host, made more money yesterday than you'll make in all your um, royalties from your famous book? I think it was Catch-22. Mm-hmm. And uh, Heller replies, well, it's okay because i have something the billionaire host will never have and kurt vonnegut said what and his friend replied the feeling i have enough right and now, that's an just, internal
1: that's an internal pursuit that doesn't come from likes and money and people telling you you're great
0: Stephanie right on and am i saying don't make money don't drive a ferrari don't you know buy beautiful things of course not i mean the 5am club is a manifesto on how to 10x 20x your prosperity there's a the 11th letter of the billionaire mr riley character is all about prosperity so i think the larger point is pursue what you pursue from a conscious place in alignment with your values versus doing what a lot of people are doing. It's not a judgment, just a reportage. They're almost sheep walking through life, chasing things that they've been hypnotized into chasing without going, why am I doing that? And I think that's what leadership is about. And I think, you know, the 5M club method is so transformational because a lot of us don't have the time to do this work. A lot of us don't have the time to work on our Um, mindset heart set health set and soul set a lot of us are so busy being busy we're wondering why we're not getting the results and i believe five to six a.m it's really a magical hour in the book i call it the victory hour but there is a reason you know the spartan warriors used to say sweat more in training and you'll bleed less in war and that's what the 5m club method is all about it's about giving yourself that one hour as you absolutely correctly say, to give yourself, you know, I don't love the word self-care, but to, to feed that inner warrior, that inner artist, that inner titan. And there is a reason why Michelle Obama, Apple's um, Tim Cook, starbucks' Howard Schultz. There is a reason why Stephen King. There is a reason why the great, many of the great women and men of the world all had one thing in common. They would rise at 5 a.m. and spend a period of time developing their internal nature, reading books, praying, meditating, exercising, or creating their art because it's the time of least distraction in this age of dramatic interruption.
1: How does joy play into this? You talk about joy as a GPS and questions that you should be asking yourself in terms of, you know, what joy might look like in terms of your internal and external environment. What is, how does joy play into, uh, into what you're talking about?
0: Well, you know, in the 5am club, there's, there's a brain tattoo. There's a lot of brain tattoos. And one of the brain tattoos people are loving is the instinct is more valuable than intelligence. So, our intelligence is just our prefrontal cortex. Our intelligence is just a reasoning which is based on the accumulated knowledge that we've learned. But the world has not been changed by knowledge. The world has been changed by possibilitarians. George Bernard Shaw said, the reasonable man, obviously woman, but he wrote, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in adapting the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And so I think instinct is the way to go. Intelligence is just limitation, which is a hypnosis society has sold us. And so there's a model in the book called joy as a GPS, which is, you know, people are telling me it's profound because they're starting to say, hmm, maybe I shouldn't trust my limited intelligence or my limit, I don't mean limited intelligence, you know what I mean? My limited rational brain. The algorithms I have. The algorithms, that's a good <laughs> word. I haven't heard that one. The—you mm-hmm. know Maybe I shouldn't trust my logical algorithms. Maybe I should trust my joy. And so that model in the 5am club is basically at a high level. I, I go deep into it in that chapter with how to do it. But for now, let's just... The model it says this: go to where your joy lives, because that is where your victory lies. I'm no guru. I was a litigation lawyer who left a very successful career to self-publish a book in the Kinkos and sell it. You know, my first seminar was 23 people, 21 of those people were my own family members. Mm -hmm. You know, I started from Mm -hmm. nothing in this field. That was not logical because it was it was stupid, you know, from that point of view, I trusted my instinct. And so the model in the book says the people that bring you joy are the people you're meant to be with. Get rid of the energy vampires because that's costing you your fortune. The model also says the pursuits that bring you joy are the pursuits that life needs you to do this world will be a, le- a less of a place if you do not follow the things that bring you joy. And then the final part of that joy is a GPS, you know, that you know your joy is a GPS, go to the places that bring you joy. You asked me before we co- came on the podcast, are you in Rome? Mm-hmm. When I land at Fiumicino on the runway, my, worries dissolve and my heart expands. When I walk into Piazza Novona, I feel alive. And every one of your viewers and listeners has places, people, and pursuits that fill them with joy. That is your primal warrior and your native genius telling you where you need to be. Forget about the chattering voice of your ego. That's going to limit you.
1: And I think when you are honing, when you're, you know, if joy is your GPS, this is how you hone. I often talk about this in the context of, you know, people tend to be like throat and up. We tend to be very cerebral and that algorithm, the logics, the strategy of this. And when you are using joy as a GPS, I think it brings you into your intuition, it brings you into your instinct, and it harnesses that muscle. So you're able to trust yourself more. You're able to say, this feels right. It feels in my gut. I know that this is right. I don't know why, but I'm going to publish a book in Kinkos and I'm gonna write it and I'm gonna have a you know a seminar on it and I'm leaving my Ferrari and my career and everything that everybody's ever told me that's successful and you hone that muscle like you would in the gym. You would lift bicep you know you lift muscles to hone the strength and integrity of your muscular system. This is another way to hone your intuit like your intuitive system as well. I have a question for you because you your breadth of work, you know, the things that you're talking about you know they excite me i hear you talking and I, it's a, like a, like you're delivering a sermon like i feel myself getting excited and wanting to level up and change myself but i think that there is a resistance that people have like the, you're what you're talking about is not complex but it's also it's it's simple but it's not easy why do you think so few of us succeed why do you think that there's that top 5 top 1% why why does that happen
0: Well, you know, a few reasons. First of all, I don't think these concepts are simple. I think... The field of hurt, the mindset, heart set, health set, the twenty, twenty, twenty formula, the joy is a GPS. In the book there's a lot of neuroscience. You know, we didn't talk about the, the move pocket. If you if you want to, I'd be really happy to. It's it's so much more than just move. It's you release BDNF, brain derived neurotrophic factor, you release release dopamine, the inspirational neurotransmitter, cortisol is high in the morning, the fear hormone. Reduce that by running the twenty twenty-twenty formula, serotonin, the Uh, pleasure neurochemical is released. So I think these are calibrated concepts in the book that I, that I've worked very hard to make very valuable versus a superficial approach to morning routine or personal mastery. Why do we resist it? We resist it because of enculturation, you know, from the moment we're born, we're taught not to believe from the moment we're born. We're not, we're taught not to dream. Um, I call it the genius betrayal syndrome from mm-hmm. the moment we are born. I don't know how deep you want to get into it, Stephanie, but it's called, the acronym is PENEM, parents, environment, nation, A is associations, and M is media. And those five influences begin their work on us from the moment we're born, and that's the story of the Matrix. You know, Keanu Reeve, like the yeah. world gets pulled over, right? It's yeah. the, it's this, it's uh, uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, Stephanie. It's yep. one of my favorite books, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, about you know this seagull that was born into brilliance and knew he could fly high, or she could fly high, and then the herd brought them down. So. Yeah. Penham creates a brainwashing, and I'm introducing some new words, heartwashing, healthwashing, soulwashing, based on the four interior empires in the 5am yeah. club book. Yeah, yeah. And literally, we end up, we're 20, 30, 40, 50, and we, we don't know who we are. We've lost our power. And so that's why we go... Uh, that book wouldn't work for me. Oh, I couldn't get up at 5am. Oh, I couldn't be a billionaire. Oh, I couldn't be a yet. Oh, I couldn't be someone who changes the world. It's not because we can't because the story of genius is ordinary people thrust into greatness by daily improvements. It's because we don't believe we can. And then we don't build the ecosystem and architecture that I explain how to do in the book so that we Allow our genius to spend, shine the light of day, and we just live these busy lives, and we wonder why we didn't achieve our own form of original greatness.
1: Right, and I love this because in the book you are very, you get very specific. Like there's, you know, there's like on the every Sunday, thirty minutes, write about the week before, plan out the next week. You know, it is very much a compendium, a compendium of how to achieve greatness, and I think what you're you know, what your through line is, is that masterpiece lives, they start with masterpiece mornings, they start with masterpiece days. And you go through like, you know, these 10, we mentioned it before, the the 10 tactics of lifelong genius. You know, we talked about, you know, you have like the bubble of focus and the, you know, the workout, the second one workout and all of these things that are described in the book. And these really are very much tools for us to ascend right i have a couple of questions for you from the uh, we have a better podcast we have a facebook community and i had put in the group this week i said you know I'm, I'm interviewing robin do you guys have any you know burning questions that you'd like to ask him? so there's two really outstanding ones that i'd like to ask you if that's all right
0: with you of course a pleasure
1: so one is from Alex who I know is an entrepreneur and his question is how important does Robin think it is for an entrepreneur to have a team in order to accomplish what they want to do in the world.
0: The bigger the dream, the more important the team. So yeah. you look at you look at Apple, you look at a lot of our clients like uh, S- Starbucks, Nike, uh, Microsoft, these people they they were formed by visionaries but they were executed by a team. So um absolutely important to have a great team. And, you know, I would also contribute to Alex that you can't have an A-level company with C-level players. So part of being a great entrepreneur is assembling a team of uh, Picassos around you who do the things you don't like to do and understanding how to hire amazing people so that there is execution around your dream. Because I think what makes a great company isn't a great idea. It's great execution.
1: Agreed. And you talk about this in your dream team technique, uh, one of those 10 tactics. You talk about the idea of you know, delegating so that you can stay in your genius. And I think in the book, you talked about you know, nutritionists and personal trainers, but I think that also applies in terms of a business sense as well. Like God knows if I have to book my own podcasts or my own appointments, like it doesn't happen. So I have somebody who's far more proficient at that than I am. So
0: And it, that brings up a really key point, which is cheap costs more. If you want to shift into entrepreneurial thinking, cheap costs more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, I mean, uh, we're talking a lot about the models, but like, I mean, this is how calibrated the morning routine is the 5am club method. Okay. So it gets into the neuroscience. It gets into how the billionaires, the superstars, the pros run that first hour of the day and once you get that first hour right, the way you begin sets up how well you win during the day. A great life is nothing more than a series of well-lived days strung together. You get the morning right, you get your life to world-class. You mentioned the specific daily genius tactics after your morning, and they are right here. Yeah, And they, they include a tight bubble of total focus, which is a method to beat distraction. Um, and the dream team technique, which is about seeing yourself as a quarterback, and then getting a support team, whether it's the massage therapist, whether it's the mindset coaches, whether it's a business advisor, whether it is a physical fitness coach, but building a dream team. Now, a lot of people will say that's going to cost a lot of money. What I would say is not investing in you optimized is what's costing you your fortune. So Mm -hmm. that's why I say cheap costs a lot more. And The billionaires I work with don't focus on cost. They don't say, here's the cost of this. Here's the cost of that new tool. Here's the cost of this course. Here's the cost of this house. They ask themselves, if I buy this better house, or if I go to this, let's say, live course, like Archangel, let's say if I hire this coach, let's say if I go to Rome and spend a week on my project and I'm inspired, they ask themselves, okay, that's going to cost me 10 grand or 20 grand. But I'm going to produce my masterwork that's going to disrupt and dominate my domain. And so they're much more focused on return on investment than cost. The majority is very much in scarcity thinking, everything is a concern over cost, but that's what costs them their fortune.
1: And uh, to your point, I think that, you know, I think you want to have an understanding of what the costs are in your business. But I think that what you're saying is that there's more of a focus on the top line. Like, how much more income are you going to be able to produce? How much more revenue are you going to be able to acquire because you have somebody who is taking this off of your plate or you are able to be inspired by a beautiful city or you're, you know, removing yourself, you know, you're going to Hawaii or Rome or whatever it is for the week to do something. And that's where the genius comes out. So there's more of a focus on the top line than the bottom line.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, here's related to that, Stephanie, is another disruptive idea. So we hear that entrepreneurs and creatives need to hustle and grind. You know what I I would say? Mm. If you want to produce your Sistine Chapel ceiling, if you want to start up the next Apple or Uber, take more time off. There's a model in the book. It's called the Twin Cycles of Elite Performance. Yes. And it disrupts the whole idea that to get more done, you need to work harder. I love, it, I, lo- yes, it, I love what you're
1: saying here. Yes, I love what you're saying here.
0: Yes. Stephanie, Stephanie, if you work longer, harder, more stressed, you are literally going to deplete what I call in the 5am club book, the five asses of genius, mm-hmm. your mental focus, your physical energy, Your personal talent, your daily willpower, and your time. Mm -hmm. And so the the greatest entrepreneurs and the billionaires I've mentored, and you know, great athletes. These people operate, they have a game season and then they have an off-season. Now, again, I'm no shining example, but I worked really hard this year so far. The book came out, I was out on the road doing a lot of podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And I've just taken the past three months off. And What I've learned is that allows your best ideas to incubate and it allows you to refill the well because you don't do your best work when you're exhausted, feeling not enough and running on empty. You do your best work when you feel joy. It's, we are not paid to work longer. We are paid to produce mastery. And if you believe that, well, then let's work like artists. You know, the great artists, they get up in the morning, they go into their, or you know, late at night, and what they do is they paint in their studios in this state of magicalness, to use Mr. Riley's words from the book, but we know it's the flow state. And in the book, there's another model on transient hypofrontality, which is, yes. which, which explains that any human being can leave their prefrontal cortex and get into flow state. So that's why I say it's not simple. It's actually pretty complicated. I've tried to simplify it so that anyone could apply it. But flow doesn't come when we're at the office. Flow comes when we're on a mountain bike ride having the time of our lives.
1: I love what you're saying so much here because I have a, a disdain for the word hustle. I think that yeah. this is when you—I mean, Michelangelo didn't hustle to finish the Sistine Chapel. At, well at, you know, to your point, you know this and that word. The original meaning of that word is to finish a task quickly at the expense of quality. So I love playing the long game. That is a philosophy for life that I have. You know, the, of course, you have a short—you know—you have short-term—you know—strategies, but it's all about long-term mastery. So well, well said love that. Second question and last question, how do parents strive for their own personal mastery and model this for their children, but not pressure their children to do the same? So uh, this uh, question is saying, you know, I know sometimes, but not always, children will go the opposite path of their parents.
0: Yeah, I I think the best way to influence your children is live the message you want them to live. I have two children and, you know, I'm so proud of them. And, I've tried not to preach sermons to them. I've tried to live my life in a way that suddenly I'm influencing them. I think that's much more powerful than telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time with my children. They're 25 and 23 now. But, you know, we've traveled the world together. We've had three hour pizza parties together. We've done a safari together. We've you know, just hung out and watched documentaries together. And what I'm saying is, you know, in this world where I see, not not a judgment at all, but I see a lot of parents raising their children with white screens at at a family table or in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. you know, put away the devices. Your kids need you. Talk to your children. Get to know your children. Don't be detached. And if you're exhausted, so you need to check out by checking your social feed, Get up at 5 a.m., join the 5 a.m. club. Read the book. Millions millions of people. Yeah, read the book, live the message, run the 2020-20 protocol, wire it in. There's a model in the book um, that explains how to install the habit you know, it takes 66 days, according to the University College of London. So let us not be people who say, Oh, I tried it for three days, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, any great relationship, any great business, any great career takes, you know, years of effort, let's at least spend a few months getting our morning routine, right, and then judge mm-hmm. by results, and then fill your own mindset, hearts, at health, set soul set up, so that you are a, Blinding force of positivity, love, inspiration, support, and mastery for your children, and then don't be surprised if they become a lot like you.
1: I think your entire body of work, this book in particular, is you know very aligned with just this podcast in general. This podcast is about how the name of it is better, how to become better, how to get better every day. And you just said something that made me so happy. So one of my secret missions in terms of starting this podcast is to make effort cool again like i am so big i was i was always too school for cool it was never the other way around and i think it is you know if you have natural talent you know you are blessed but if that's all you do if you don't do anything with it and hone these techniques that you're talking about i think it is a failure in the ascension towards your best self and i think if you don't go all in i think it's a hidden hedge you know to protect yourself if you do fail so i want people to make big bold courageous statements on being all in and accept the like to accept the vulnerability of that so i wanted to thank you so much i know we have a We have a hard stop today, so I want to make sure to honor your time. Um, But I think that so many listeners uh, are going to benefit from our conversation and in their own quests for mastery and greatness and the next level of knowing themselves. So I just wanted to thank you very much for this, you know, for our conversation, your book. Uh, I love the 5am club. I have it right here. Uh, it's on my, uh, it's on my uh, preferred uh, uh, reading list. And uh, thank you for your time today, Robin.
0: Yeah. You know, you're welcome, Stephanie. Let's make, you're right. Let's, I just, you know, I've so enjoyed our time together and I, I can tell you really get it. And, you know, I just celebrate you for bringing what you're bringing to so many people. You're right. I, I love what you said. Let's make effort cool again. And let's make, getting up early cool again. And let's make honoring your craft cool again. Let's make being loving to people cool again. Mm -hmm. And let's make over delivering for our clients cool again. And let's make holding yourself to the highest standard cool again. And let's make living a gorgeous, excellent, productive, soulful life cool again, because it used to be cool again, before we all, you know, so many of us, have been seduced into chasing things that I believe are trivialities versus the things that really bring joy, peace, freedom, and wisdom. So um, I did want to mention one thing that people always ask is, is the 5am club available in audiobook? It's on Audible. I wanted to mention at the end of the 5am club book is a link to a free 66 day app because a lot of people read books and then after a few days, they fall off the wagon. So I've built a very Calibrated high-value app. They can download it for free. The link is at the end of the book. And for sixty days, the, sixty-six days, the time required to wire in a habit to automaticity, they're going to get videos from me, morning mastery meditations, etc. So they lock and load and reach that point where the, it's easier to get up than not to get out And the final thing, because this is very important to my heart, a portion of my royalties on the Five A.M. Club are going to help children suffering suffering from leprosy. We just named a, a hospital wing. That serves people with leprosy after my dad. A lot of people don't know leprosy is still out there and there's a lot of kids with it and they really do suffer. So when people invest in the book, they're not only investing in their transformation, they're investing in helping children in need.
1: I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes as well for, uh, for listeners that are listening to that and spoken like a true master. Thank you very much, Revan.
0: Thanks a lot, Stephanie. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you. hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find all this information at our website, bettershow.co. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-S-H-O-W dot C-O. Maybe the simplest way to keep in touch with me is to sign up for my email. When you go to bettershow.co, there'll be a little pop-up and I send a weekly email on all things mindset, nutrition, fitness, Uh, longevity, aging, things that are capturing my attention that week in a newsletter that we call Brain Candy. You can find me on social, on Twitter, it's Dr. Underscore Stephanie. On Instagram, I am Dr. Stephanie Estima. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-E-S-T-I-M-A. And finally, a legal and medical disclaimer. This Podcast is for general information only, and the advice, discussions, and recommendations that we discuss on this podcast do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare professional's advice or care. There is no doctor patient relationship that has been established in the consumption of this podcast, and the use and implementation of the information contained here are at the sole discretion of the listener the content in this podcast is not intended to be used as a substitute for any professional advice, diagnosis, or
0: treatment.